you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 8. Uh, we're talking about Pentecost Sunday today, and I'm, I want to talk about a kind of a different Pentecost. Uh, of course, on that day, 2,000 years ago, 120 people were gathered in a room for 10 days. They didn't know it was going to be 10 days. Just, they just said a few days from now, but it was 10 days. And, and I like to recount that every time I teach this because I always think after one, two, three, four, five, six days, they're kind of thinking, what's going on? How many of you like to be cooped up with the same 120 people in one room for 10 days? Not particularly. You sure want to love them. And you want to make sure that, you know, that they use proper hygiene. But 100, uh, uh, 10 days, 120 people. But I'm thinking after six days, Matt, what's going to happen? And then seven days comes in. Oh, man, I'm, we're praying, we're fasting, we're seeking the Lord. And seven, it's eight, eight nine, nine days? What are we going to... Oh, my goodness, is, is, this, is anything going to really happen? I mean, do, do you know, is, it, is he really going to send some, some promise? Is this Holy Spirit he's been talking about, this, this helper, this comforter, this, this strength? Is he really coming? Is he going to show up? But they waited, and they waited, and this is a good thing to wait on the Lord. Because what if it, after nine days, what after, Dana, what after nine days they just said, I'm done with this, let's go home. You know, here's the thing. Over 500 people saw Jesus raised from the dead. Over 500 people, he witnessed to them. He showed them by signs and wonders and miracles, but only 120 made it to the upper room. So I'm thinking like, three is it 380? Yeah, 380 people didn't make it to the upper room because maybe they just didn't want to wait. Maybe they weren't really persevering like they should. So this is a word for some of you. Some of you are waiting for something. Keep waiting because it's going to come. Your miracle will come. Your healing will come. You just got to keep, you got to press in. I think after nine days, they were pressing in. I think they, I think they were in it for the long haul. And all the, all the others had been filtered out. And he said, I need 120 to win the world. The world, say the world. Whew. So on that day, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit. What a powerful time. Can you just put your mind back there and think of the sound of the mighty rushing wind, the fire, the cloven tongues of fire that separated, sat upon each one of them. Then they began to speak in other languages that they didn't know. And people heard this sound. And I don't know if the sound was them speaking languages or the sound of the mighty rushing wind, but they came. The Bible doesn't say why. It says the people came. And there were thousands of people from all over the world. And they came that day. God had designed it perfectly for that day to reach the whole world. God's timing is always right. And then Peter, who'd never preached a sermon in his life, Peter, who denied Jesus three times, that he even knew him. And then he had to, he had to be reaffirmed at the, by the sea when Jesus said, Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me, Peter? Feed my sheep. And Peter said, You know I love you, Lord. I love you. And he said, Feed my sheep. Well, that day, he got, to, he got to go feed some sheep. Thousands of them. We don't know how many thousands were there, but 3,000. 3,000. He preached his first I like to preach just one sermon. 3,000 people get saved, Roy. Can you imagine the invitation? Just as... Oh, they're coming! <laughs> wow, they're coming from everyone. 3,000. 120. We need our ministry team. Get up to the front quick. <laughs> if they have the lanyards, you can let them pray for you. <laughs> oh, Water. Where are we going to get enough water? Oh, man. I just... Uh, that's just the way I think. Because... It wasn't like something nice and neat, probably. It was 3,000 people rushing forward saying, I need Jesus. What do I do to be saved? What, what must I do? 3,000. 
He said, repent. Be baptized for the remission of your sins. Mary repented and was baptized today. Roy repented and was baptized today. And I, don't, I didn't catch the lame, name of the other lady. Amber? Amber repented and was baptized. Her sins are gone. You repented. You were baptized and your sins were gone. From now on. From now on. Say from now on. Do we sin still? Sure, but our sins have been forgiven from now on. We are eternally saved. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have what? Everlasting life until you sin again? No. Everlasting life. Everlasting life. I like everlasting life. I'm into everlasting life. Aren't you? Whew, so today's Pentecost Sunday. And uh, what, a, what a great day. After that took place, though, so, uh, we're going to move forward to Acts chapter 8 because after that took place, you'll, if you go back and read and you'll read the story, you'll see that there was persecution came. Stephen was stoned and, and uh, the men that, that they scattered. But, you know, God has a way of getting you where he needs you to go. And if it's through persecution to get you out of the, out of the nest, he'll get you through persecution. If he needs to take some things away from you to get you to move, you know, he'll do it. How many have experienced that? You got attached to something, and God said, you're too attached to that. If you're going to follow me and be my disciple, you gotta, I'm going to have to take some things away from you. Listen, you ought to be glad that he did. You ought to be glad that he takes some things away from you. So he, you can be focused on where you need to go. And so he took some things away from them, and persecution came against the church, this baby church. And so they were scattered. And, you know, at one time they, they said, we've got to have some more people. We've got to have some help. So they, they called Stephen. They called Philip. They called all these guys. They needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And you know what they were filled with the Holy Spirit to do? Wait on tables. Oh, that's just too. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm much better than that. I, I, I'm a big, I'm, I'm, I'm filled with the Spirit of God. I got the Holy Spirit. I got the baptism. I want to do something great in the church. And, and, and you know, Peter and Jay and John, they just said, well, okay, go wait on tables. Take care of these, these widows. It started with their humility. They waited on tables, and then guess what they were doing after that? Signs and wonders and miracles. It wasn't just the apostles. You know, so much of the church, they said, well, only the apostles did miracles. Only the apostles prophesied. Only the prophets. All that back then. No, 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 no. Philip and them, they were just ordinary guys that got baptized in the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit, and God used them in a mighty and a powerful way. Are you any different than Philip? No. None of us are. We're all Phillips. We're all those people. We're just the whosoever's that God says, are you willing to empty yourself, yield yourself to me so I can use you in the kingdom of God to advance the kingdom of God? That's what he's asking you this morning. He's asking, are you willing? Okay, now let's get some scripture. There were, there were all, the, all of the believers. I'm reading from the, tra uh, the Passion today. Acts 8, uh, verse 4. Although the believers were scattered by persecution, they preached... The wonderful news of the Word of God wherever they went. Wherever they went. Mary got saved today because her neighbor went. She came here because some people from Freedom Fellowship went to Walmart and told her about a place to get help. Wherever you go. Philip traveled to a Samaritan city and he preached to them the wonderful news. That's the gospel of the anointed one. That's Jesus Christ. Now, the first thing I want you to see, I want to go to some of these points quickly because I want to get to the main thing. There's no room for racism in the kingdom of God. There's no room for prejudice in the kingdom of God. This area that, that Philip was going into, he was hated. 
the Jews were hated in Samaria. Remember James and, and John? Remember the sons of thunder? They want to call down, they want to call down lightning on the Samaritans because they, they didn't want Jesus stopping in their city on his way to Jerusalem. They, they, man, they didn't like, they didn't like Samaritans. See, Samaritans were considered half-breeds. They were the, the, the lowest of the lowest of the Jews. They had intermarried so many times they didn't know who they were. And they had brought up false religions and they had mingled false religions. And, and so they were not, they were not good with the, with the Jews. And so God sends Philip to a place where Philip shouldn't have wanted to go, but Philip already had the love of Jesus in his heart, and it didn't matter where he went because he was ready to tell the people about Jesus. Man, if you've got a problem going up to somebody because of their color or their, or their background or their social status, you've got a problem. There's no room for racism in the kingdom of God. He said, I came to say, he said, once for all. You talk about all lives matter. Well, Jesus on the cross said all lives matter. Everybody, red, yellow, black, and white, pink, polka dot, whatever. They all matter to Jesus. And if they matter to Him and He lives in you, they should matter to you. So if you've made, if you've got some issue with color or you've got some issue with social status, a lot of people, it's not about color, it's about social status. I'm not going to talk to Him. He doesn't smell so good. I'm not going to talk to Him. They've got too much. I don't fit. Man, if Jesus tells you to go talk, Holy Spirit says talk, go talk. Go witness. Go, go love them. Just love on them. So there's no room for racism. Verse 6. The crowds were eager to receive Philip's message. Were persuaded by the many miracles and wonders he performed. And many demon-possessed people were set free and delivered as evil spirits came out of them with loud screams and shrieks. And many who were lame and paralyzed were also healed. And this resulted in uncontainable joy filling the city. Filling the city. It's filling the city here. It's, it's erupting out of here. Eighty people the last Tuesday night got, came in for deliverance. Betty, come up here. Get up here. I told you to be ready. Uh-uh-uh. Stop that. No, 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 no. It's not about Betty. Go Jesus. Okay? Go Jesus. Let's say go Jesus. Now, I texted y'all this morning. I was going to ask you a question. Did you get my text? Is it okay we mention your names or not? Now that I pointed you out in front of everybody. Are y'all willing to come stand while she tells the story? Is it okay? I, I know I'm putting you on the spot, but you didn't text me right back. Come on. You don't go into massive detail. We want to get this. We're going to share something. Because, listen, deliverance is real. It was good for them back then. It's good for us today. Hallelujah. You know, before they came that night, the Lord had told me about three days before, I was standing in my kitchen and he said, Betty, if you will fast, I will raise the dead on Tuesday night. And I immediately went into a fast. And so the next morning in prayer, the Lord said, there will be a man that will walk in but he will be the walking dead because of a spell of witchcraft that was put on him and so as he came in I looked at everybody coming in and I said Lord who is it and of course the minute I saw Glenn I knew and Jesus in the name of Jesus set you free what did Jesus you tell it in your I had gotten sick Probably about 
two months ago. And I've had every test that can be given to anybody. And the doctors could not find anything. The specialists could not find anything at all. So we were just waiting to see. They said, you have to wait until you get healed or something else is going to happen. My wife is very determined. <laughs> so she decided to call Betty. And we met with Betty before. But anyway, we came up here. And it was something that I don't didn't believe in. But now, as I stand here, I can tell you, it really happened. It really happened. <laughs> Hallelujah. And uh, they came in um, a couple days ago and got filled with the mighty baptism in the Holy Ghost. Beautifully. Let's give the Lord a hand. Thank you all. Thanks, Betty. He hadn't even been able to work. He went back to work. I mean, when the doctors can't figure it out, Dr. Jesus can. Yeah. And we're going to continue to pray. He's going to come back full strength. Amen. But see, somebody had put a curse on him. I don't think those are real. You don't think somebody can put a curse on you? They can. And, and you just see evidence of this in Samaria. I mean, these people were... They were filled with all sorts of demons. They came out with shrieks. Listen, there's, it's the same today. It may be worse today because there's a lot more of us. It's intense. People really want to be set free. I don't care if it's 2,000 years ago or today. Nobody likes to be in bondage. Well, I'm going to say nobody. Some people kind of like it because it draws attention. And they kind of get off on that. But that's still a sickness. And they need to be free of that. That's perversion. But listen what it look at verse eight again. After all that was taking place from Philip, from Philip preaching the gospel, casting out demons, it resulted in uncontainable joy filling the whole city. Now go to verse nine. Now there was a man who lived there who was steeped in sorcery. For some time he had astounded the people of Samaria with magic, boasting to be someone great. Everyone from the least to the greatest among them was dazzled by his sorcery, saying, this man is the greatest wizard of all. I thought it was a wizard of Oz. I didn't know. But they're calling out a wizard. You think there are still wizards today? Some of you are going, ah, I'm not so sure. There are wizards today. The divine power of God walks among us. That's what they were saying about him. For many years, everyone was in awe of him, Simon, okay, because of his astonishing displays of the magic arts. Now, this section, next section on what you see is that people are still looking for the supernatural. We should look for the supernatural. We're supernatural beings. We serve a supernatural God. If you're just stuck in the physical, you're stuck. But we, we are, are, we're a triune people. We're, we're body, soul, mind. We're spirit. We have a spirit within us, a spirit of God within us. We have our spirit man within us. And God has made us to look beyond the physical into the, into uh, beyond that realm. The things that are unseen, he says in the Bible. We don't see it all, but the things that are, that's where our faith comes in. It's no different today. Listen, people are looking for the supernatural in the wrong ways, in the perverted ways. People are obsessed with the occult, with sorcery, with witchcraft, with wizardry. I just did a little tiny research. And, and some of you, if you get offended at me, I don't care. 
But if you're letting your kids get involved with that Harry Potter crap, you need to get them out of it and you need to pray over your kids. And a lot of others, I'm just using Harry Potter because Harry Potter, listen to this, sold over, the books alone has sold over 500 million copies. 500 million copies of Harry Potter books about sorcery and witchcraft and dark magic and all these things. And you can say it's innocent fun, but I say it is not. I say it's a way the enemy wants to get his foot in the door of your household. And if you're allowing it, you're just as, you're just as bad as they are to, for receiving it. You need to repent of that. You need to get those books out. Don't give them away. Don't put them in a garage sale. Burn those things. 500 million. Let's, listen, just the movies alone... That's what this money could do in the kingdom of God. Think about it. Over seven billion, I said billion dollars have been spent on Harry Potter movies. Seven billion. That would run countries. And we have filled our minds of our children and our minds with witchcraft. And we think it's okay. And we watch this movie and this movie and that about The Walking Dead. And we think The Walking Dead is a cool show. I know the kids, oh, The Walking Dead, I can't wait till the next series comes up. That is rubbish. I'm on a soapbox today. If I had a soapbox, I'd get up on it. But I'm telling you, we've been out in, we've been out in California. <laughs> I'll fall off that thing. We've been out in California, and we see, we see idolatry. It's, all, you know, it's not just California, but it's everywhere around you. It's a lifestyle choice that people are making, and, and, and they're corrupting our, our, our country. Have you not been reading what Franklin Graham's been putting on the Internet about what's going on in our country? No, last week we prayed for our president, but it goes way beyond that. Because we've allowed it as a church, and we've said it's okay, I'll monitor their stuff. Parents, are you really monitoring what your kids are watching and listening to? Are you monitoring what you're listening to and watching? Can't wait till the next movie comes out that is, it's about destruction and evil and witchcraft and sorcery, and we just go, oh, isn't that a cute movie? We think rated R movies now. Oh, that's no big deal, rated R movie. But now it's TV 14. And we're watching this stuff and filling our minds with this garbage. People want a high. They want a spiritual high, and they want to get it somehow. If it's through a movie, if through some, maybe it's just through drugs. Why do you think drug? Why do you think the drug situation in our country is so horrible? Because people are wanting a way out. They're wanting a way out of the mindset that they've got because the mindset they've got is just the physical. It's about getting up, going to work, making a living, coming home, eating, going to, you know, it's, it's about the mundane life. That's not the Christian life. The, the normal Christian life should be a, a life of wonder and amazement and healings and, and being people being set free and saved. That's what, the, that's what the Christian life, the normal Christian life should be like. And so if our kids don't see the supernatural in Jesus in us, they're going to go find it somewhere else. Give me a shot. Give me a needle. Give me a pill. Listen to this. I didn't look up many statistics. It didn't take long to find them. In one year, it's estimated that over $100 billion is spent just on illegal drugs. $100 billion. So add that $100 billion to the $7 billion Harry Potter and then the $500 million. But just, just take two, three things and see what God can do with that money if we would take it from the wicked and put it back into the hands of the righteous. Let's call it back. You know what I'm believing for? It's coming into Freedom Fellowship. And God put this in my heart. I didn't, 
I didn't dream this up. It just God put it, dropped it in my heart. He said, a million dollars is coming into this fellowship. Somebody's going to give a million dollars. I said, what do you mean? God, a million dollars? He said, a million dollars. I said, okay. I'm activating my faith. I'm believing for it. What could we do with a million dollars? We're not going to build another big building. You know what we could do with a million dollars? We could, man, we could sow, sow into the kingdom of God. We could sow, sow into the, sow, sow. We could sow into the kingdom of God. Man, we could touch the lives of people. When Don Babman says, I got a need for a kidney over here for $3,000, no problem. Here, I need a new vehicle in, in Kenya, no problem. Write him a check, send it, buy it, whatever you need. God's going to do some things like that in us, but we've got to start believing for that. I'm not going to limit God. We serve a supernatural God. Why settle for the counterfeit? Now, this is interesting because Bill Pride came up to me during church this morning, during the worship. He said there are two Wiccans in the building, and they're praying over the building. They're praying inside the building, and they went downstairs, and, and so they're walking through the building. That's why I was binding up false religion, because I want those people to get saved. That's just the bottom line. They're, they're lost. They need to get saved. And it's funny because Wiccans was in my sermon. I hadn't talked about Wiccans in years. I have once, I think, mentioned Wiccans. But from an estimated 8,000 Wiccans in 1990, they were found that there was about 340,000 in 2008. Now, that's 11 years ago, okay? That's a false religion. That's a witchcraft religion. And they say it's all, oh, it's, it's all about the good witches. You can go online and you can find out how to cast spells as a Wiccan. But you need to be careful, they said, about how you cast spells and who you cast spells on. Really? Now the estimates in 2017 are over 3 million. You think people aren't going after something because they're not seeing it happen in the church. They're not seeing it happen in your life and my life. They're not hearing testimonies about how God delivered me and saved me and got a witch out of me or got a demon out of me. We don't want to talk about those things because that's just stuff you don't know. That's kind of taboo to talk about in the church because we want to be nice and clean and sanitary. But unless we start seeing these things and activating these things and moving in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the kids are still going to go after some other kind of supernatural, a counterfeit. I don't know about you, but I don't want my kids worshiping a tree. I don't want them talking about white witches. I don't want them conjuring up curses. I went I found a YouTube video of a little girl that she was told she was showing how to cast spells like Harry Potter does. And she was dead serious. There's a natural desire as us, as human beings, not just Christians, to see supernatural things. It's a natural desire. Because we are spirit beings. Now I want Carol Hill to come up. Because Carol saw something. Now if I brought, and if I, if I brought Dr. Saunders Hill up here to share this, y'all go, yeah, we know, we know. She sees angels all the time. But Carol has a testimony. And try to keep it under 30 minutes. Well, for some of you may have may know, and and um, most of you probably don't, uh, because Wednesday night uh, they prayed for me here in in the prayer meeting. I had a uh, about two weeks ago. I went in for a regular heart checkup, and uh, uh, my doctor said you need to have a. It's time to have a uh, no uh, uh, stress test. 
And I said, okay, we'll do that. So I uh, had the stress test. She said uh, it was positive. We probably need to do a heart cath. This is number three, okay? Uh, I don't know how many of you have had heart caths, but uh, after you've had a couple, uh, this is number three, and you get to wondering, uh, Lord, uh, how many of these can they do, you know? And uh, so I, I was, uh, I, I know the Lord had this, okay? I, I was, I was uh, extending my faith. But, you know, sometimes uh, we get kind of like Thomas. I said, Lord, uh, two or three days as I was praying, we were, we were, I was conversing with, with the Father, and I said, it would be awesome, Father, if you could show up in a, and manifest yourself in this uh, procedure. I went in, the new heart cath, uh, as you all know, Shannon's built all new uh, uh, operating rooms. Anyway, rolled in there. There were six or eight techs in there getting me ready and so forth. And uh, w when they first rolled me in, you know, they start giving you the, you're kind of in a conscious sedation. But uh, I heard the two guys talking, and they were saying, yeah, Cleveland Browns, probably going to win the Super Bowl next year, and I thought, whoa, for, the, for you guys, uh, Cleveland hadn't won anything in 20 years, so I thought, wow, they were out too late last night, but anyway, they got me prepped, and uh, the doctor came in, and uh, I said, doctor, I have a question, he said, yeah, what's that, I said, uh, you don't mind if the Lord assists you this morning, do you? I said, he's a pretty good surgeon. And he said, not at all. And uh, so as they began to uh, start to work on me, and uh, I felt a, a peace that passeth all understanding. And I saw two white wings that extended 15 feet on either side and covered all of us in the room. And I said to myself, Lord, you've got this. You showed up. And, uh, you know, we have not because we ask not. Woo! Woo! How many of you have seen an angel? Raise your hands. Are they real? We know they're real. Angels all around us. They're camped all around us. Maybe you just don't see them. Our vision's real. You bet. We're supernatural beings. You know, sometimes, it's like Carol said, we don't recognize because we're not asking for it. Some of you say, well, I don't dream. Have you asked the Lord to give you dreams? I'm telling you, I've, we've done this so many times in, in dream classes. We'll ask people, oh, well, I don't dream. I don't dream. If I do, I don't remember them. Well, then before we go to bed, ask the Lord to give you a dream and that you would remember it. Guess what? They get a dream and they remember it. You just have to ask. He, he's, he can't wait. He, he just, he, he's wanting to give us these things. 
He's like, he's a good, good father. We just sang about him. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights. He, he wants, he can't wait to give us these things. But don't, listen, when he wants to pour out blessings, don't put, pop the umbrella up and let him bounce off and hit somebody else. Put the umbrella up. Let him rain on you. Verse 12. Thanks, guys. Testimonies will build your faith. But as Philip preached the wonderful news of the kingdom of God's kingdom realm, the kingdom of God, in the name of Jesus, the anointed one, many believed his message and were baptized, both men and women. And the, the next point I want you to see is that the kingdom anointing is attractive. He carried the presence of God. That's what Philip carried. He carried the presence of God. You carry the presence of God. You carry the Holy Spirit within you. So when you walk into a room, if you're not conscious of it, maybe nothing's going to happen. But if you're conscious of it, something may happen. You may see some things that you didn't think you would see or you weren't, you weren't even looking to see. Remember we talked about looking and seeing? There's a difference. You can see things, but you've got to really look. If you want to look in the Spirit, you've got to start looking with your spiritual eyes. But you have to recognize that you carry this anointing. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, listen, just if you're saved alone, you have the, you have the Holy Spirit within you. You have the indwelling Spirit of God. So when you step into a room, guess what? You're not walking in there by yourself, cat. You're walking in with Jesus. You're walking in with the Holy Spirit. So you're empowered wherever you go. That's why it says we take dominion wherever we go. It's not us taking dominion. It's Jesus in us taking dominion. So we've got to start thinking that way. We've got to get our mind up here instead of down here. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says, We are like common clay jars that carry this glorious treasure within so that the extraordinary overflow of power will be seen as God and not ours. What are we carrying? See, some of you, oh, I'm not worthy to carry the, the Lord, but you're saved, so you are carrying Him. So carrying Him is, is not an option. He's there. He never leaves us or forsakes us. You just need to recognize that He's there. And maybe your walk will change. Maybe your talk will change. Maybe your looking will change when you recognize who's within you. Verse eight, uh, chapter 8, verse 13a, just the first part, okay? This is, and it says, even Simon, and he just, Philip just preached, and it says men and women were saved, but then it says, even Simon believed and was baptized. Now, here's a, here's a question we want to look at real quickly this morning is, what, did he really get saved? Because there's, there's a lot of uh, talk, a lot of commentaries say, well, he did get saved, and others say he wasn't saved. But here's the thing, was it a head or was it a heart conversion? Head or heart? Say head or heart. See, the Greek word for believed here is peste, pes, pestuo. Okay, say pestuo. You just learned a Greek word, that means that's faith or believed. That can mean, a, this, listen, it has more than one meaning. It can mean a saving faith. Or it can also mean an intellectual faith or head knowledge. It can mean either one. So you, don't, you have to look at, when you apply these things, you have to apply them in context. So people have applied both of these in this context. All right? So we're going to look at this. Because I think it's important that we know. But because we, many people get saved in their head, but they don't get saved here. And so they're really not saved. They just, they just got intellectual knowledge of it. Okay? You just got to get to here. We'll, we'll see that in a minute. So he... Simon's he's he's following Peter uh, uh, Philip around and he's just amazed at all the signs and wonders that are happening and and we, Peter uh, Philip preaches the word and the many people are saved and he says well I want some of that I want I want I believe and I want to be baptized and so he was believing baptized how many of you were baptized but you weren't saved how many you been water baptized and you weren't actually saved come on be honest I, I was I, I'm pretty sure 
Yeah, you got you somebody. You know, your friend got baptized. You went to youth camp. You didn't really get saved, but a lot of people did. So you thought it's cool. I'm going to get baptized too. And you said the little sinner's prayer, but nothing changed in your heart because it just came up here and didn't get to here. Okay. If that's you this morning, at the end of the service, we're going to give an invitation to you. Because maybe that's you. You just have it up here and nothing's changed here. Okay? So we have this We have this two ways we can look at this believing here for Simon, whether it was his head or was it heart. Okay? Suffice it to say, there are truly those who maybe said a prayer, they've been baptized, they've been confirmed, they, they've, been, uh, they've, been, they've joined a church, uh, somebody else has told them that they're saved. I love that one. You know how you want to find out if somebody's really saved or not? Don't ask them if they're a Christian. Please don't ask that question. Because most people go, oh, yeah, I'm an American. <laughs> Must be a Christian. It's a Christian nation. <laughs> no, you want, you want to get to the root of the issue? You say, who is Jesus to you? Ask them, who's Jesus to you? Well, he's, he's a great guy. He wrote the Bible and you know, he walked on water. I, yeah, I like Jesus. Matter of fact, I love Jesus. Well, who's Jesus to you? Well, you know, he, he did all these signs and wonders. Man, I, man, Jesus is cool. Jesus is just all right with me. Jesus is just all right. Oh, yeah. Doobie Brothers, man. I love the Doobie Brothers. When they wrote that song, I said, I'm down with Doobies. You know, Bill, you know Doobie Brothers, yeah. I didn't even know what a Doobie was. I just thought that was her name. You been a good Doobie? <laughs> I would gravitate to those songs. I loved rock and roll music. You know, I'm going to take you up through the spirit in the sky. I love that song because it's talking about Jesus. Then he said, I've never been a sinner, never sinned. Now nah, he's off. His theology's wrong. But I would find songs in the rock and roll culture that mention Jesus. And I say, yeah, they're good. You know, get off that culture thing. Where was I? Singing. Here's the thing. If you want to find out if somebody's a Christian or not, ask them who Jesus is. And if they say, listen, he's my Lord and Savior. I've given my life to him. I surrender to him. Then you'll know. Okay? So don't ask them the Christian question. It's too easy to answer and skirt around it. Ask them who Jesus is to you. Somebody taught me that. I don't know who it was, but it's good. I'm glad it's not my job to determine who is saved and who isn't. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Says we can inf- we can inspect fruit, but you know that's that's another story. But it's not my job to condemn somebody to, he- to hell or send them to heaven. That's God's job, and I'm so glad it's His job. My job is to speak the truth in love, and that's what I try to do. That's what I believe I do every Sunday. Or I, I I really want to do. It. And if God if He'll correct me, He'll correct me. But I, I can't mince words. I, you know I I like to scoot around. I like to just oh Harry Potter's cool, but I can't. Okay? If, if you're offended, that's okay. Go, go look it up. You know? And, and there's so many other things. I just brought up Harry Potter. There's so many things in the occult. My goodness, they just... Oh, it's mind-boggling. And Christians participate in them. It's a whole other sermon. So for, let's look at the rest of 8, uh, of 13. So wherever Philip went, Simon was right by his side. Now, okay, so he said he's believed and he was baptized. And everywhere Philip went, Simon was right by his side, astounded by all the miracle signs and enormous displays of power that he witnessed. So what attracted Simon to Jesus? Was it Philip? Maybe. Maybe it was Philip. Was it signs and wonders? Possibly. He operated in that stuff. But more than likely it wasn't Jesus that he was attracted to. 
Maybe in some sort of way he was. I don't know. I, don't, I wasn't there. I don't know his heart. Only God knows. But I will tell you this. We can only come to Jesus for the right reasons. You don't come to him because of signs and wonders. Signs and wonders will not save you. Deliverance will not save you. None of those things will save you. Only Jesus can save you. Only Jesus. Now, if he draws you by signs and wonders, yes! If he gets you there through deliverance, yes! If he gets you there through praise and worship, yes! If he gets you there through the word of God, yes! But only Jesus can save you. And if you start going after all the other stuff like Simon was going after, you will miss the mark. You will miss your salvation. We've got to come to Him for the right reasons, church. Romans 10, 9 says, And what is God's living message? It is the revelation of faith for salvation, which is the message that we preach. For if you publicly declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will experience salvation. Nothing else. You can try to add all that other stuff, but this is what it is. Go back to Matthew 7. Remember when he said, the man came forward and said, I've done this, I've cast out demons, I've done this in your name, I've done this in your name. And Jesus said, depart from me, I don't even know you. He didn't know Jesus. That's what it's going to take when you, when you step before him on judgment. It's good. Do you know? Yeah, I know you. You're mine. Come on in. Does he know you today? Does he know you? Do you know him? That's the question. Verse 14, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard, I love this. How, how are we doing on time? I took my watch off for baptism. Oh, guys, we're going to go over today. Sorry. God bless you. It's been worth it, though. It's just the testimonies alone. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the Samaritans had accepted God's message of life, they sent Peter and John. This is weird, though. I know. To pray over them so that they would receive the Holy Spirit. For they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus and were yet to have the Holy Spirit fall upon them. And as soon as Peter and John arrived, they laid their hands on the Samaritan believers, one after the other, and the Holy Spirit fell and filled each one of them. Now, this is what I call another Pentecost. And I'm thinking, why didn't Philip do that? Philip filled the Holy Spirit. You ever wonder that? Why didn't Philip just do it? Why, why didn't Philip wait for them to show up? But here's the, here's the reason, and I've studied this and I think it's cool. I, I think it makes sense. Uh, Peter and John were like, they were like the big guns. You might know what I'm talking about, a big gun. They were, they were given the responsibility when Jesus said, I'm going to give you the keys of heaven, the, the keys to the kingdom. He said, y'all are going to go and take the gospels to the Gentiles, to the further, all over the world. You're going to take the gospel. And you're going to have to confirm it because this is the new church that has started. And so they're saying, Peter and John said, you don't do anything, Philip, until we get there. We've got to see this for ourselves. We're going to be, we got to, we've got to put our stamp of approval on this. And that's why I think they came. I think Philip was probably capable of doing what they were doing. But Philip said, I want you to come see this. See, they didn't have FaceTime. They didn't have video. They didn't have television. They couldn't go, oh, look what's happening over in Samaria. No, they had to come and experience it for themselves. How many of you know you need to experience God for yourself? So they call him the big guys. They come in and they say, okay, we see something's going on. Philip, you're doing a good job. Bring them in. We want to get them baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then they begin to lay hands on them. People begin to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Wow. Another Pentecost. Amen? 
Here's another reason Peter might have come. Peter might have had a word of knowledge about Simon the sorcerer. It's not in the scripture. I'm just thinking. Peter might have gone, when, when, when they heard the news, Peter might have gone, you know what? There's some problems down there. I don't think Philip's capable. I don't think he's ready to handle that. I think we need to go, John. We need to go see him. Because there's a guy down there that could cause a lot of trouble. You follow me? Here, here's the thing. I, I highlighted this. It's never a bad thing to have more seasoned believers assess what God is doing in our lives. Did you all hear me? It's never a bad thing to have more seasoned believers assess what God is doing in our lives or in the life of this church. We should not be so prideful that we, oh, we don't need correction. We don't need help. We've got this all figured out. We don't need to be there. We need to say, hey, check this out, Pastor. Elder, check this out. Ron, check this out. Are we doing the right thing? Are we going the right direction? It should be okay that we other people, more mature believers that come in and look at us and see and and maybe see some things. You know, when Roger Teal came, Roger Teal came in here and he was going to bring the judgment of God upon us. But he didn't because he said everything was good here. He said, you're fine. You're fine. Bishop Garlington comes in. And Bishop Garlington, man, he has this anointing on him. He said, man, you guys are a pattern church. You're good. But that's great that somebody else would come in and look from a different perspective and say, hey, you need this or you need that. Or, hey, man, we can glean from that. They were gleaning from us. But it's never a bad thing for somebody else to come into your life and say, I need Randy, I need there's some things I need to show you in your life. It's okay. They may be off track, but it's still okay. Listen, pray about it. So when Simon saw, verse 18, I'm about through. When Simon saw the Holy Spirit was released through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he approached them and he offered them money. <laughs> saying, I want this power too. I'm willing to pay you for the anointing that you have so that I can also lay my hands on everyone to receive the Holy Spirit. This is called the object of our faith. On the day of Pentecost, they said, what must we do? We killed the Savior. Simon goes, what must I do? How much money does it cost me? Because I got money. A little bit different approach, wouldn't you say? You think his heart hadn't been changed yet? I don't think so. He was trying to buy the Holy Spirit. And there needed to be a heart change for this guy. And you know, you don't really want to say something like that to Peter. Ananias and Sapphira ring a bell? Boom. Boom. I'm thinking, Simon, he don't know what he's, he don't know who he's talking to. <laughs> Peter is like, man, he's pretty bold, and he's going to tell it like it is. And he does, okay? Go back to verse 13. Wherever Philip went, Simon was right by his side, astounded by all the miracle signs and enormous displays of power that he witnessed. He was all about the power. He was all about the signs. He was all about the wonders. He wasn't about Jesus. And he said, I, and you know, the Bible doesn't say what the, what the experience was with the Holy Spirit there. A lot of people go, well, they started speaking in tongues. It didn't say that. It didn't say they started prophesying. It didn't say that they had words of knowledge. It didn't say they fell out. It didn't say any of that. It could have been one thing or it could have been all of them. But whatever it was, it got Simon the sorcerer's attention. Whoa, what's going on here? They are, man, they're prophesying. They're telling the future. And I like this stuff. I want to be a part of it. How much? Peter, just come on. Peter, how much? How much does it cost? Oh, let me read you Peter's response. Peter rebuked him and said, 
Your money will go with you to destruction. Other translations say to hell. How could you even think that you could purchase God's supernatural gift with money? You will never have this gift or take part in this ministry. Now look at this. For your heart is not right with God. In other words, another translation says you have a crooked heart. Repent, repent, repent this moment for allowing such wickedness to fill you. Plead with the Lord that perhaps He would forgive your treachery of your heart. For I discern, listen, He said, I discern that jealous envy has poisoned you and binds you as a captive to sin. So why didn't Peter, the Apostle Peter, why didn't he just go up and cast a demon out of him? I said, Bam! Get out of him! Because he discerned it in his heart that wasn't going to work. See, sometimes people think, I just need to get deliverance, but you're not ready for deliverance because you're not ready to give up you. You'll go to a deliverance class and nothing happens because you know why? You don't want anything to happen, really. You want the easy way out. Right, Betty? Have you ever tried to do deliverance on somebody? It didn't work because they weren't ready. But see, Peter discerned, uh-uh, he ain't ready for this. He's not ready for this. We tell people all the time, if you, don't want to get, if you really want to get free, you really have to know that you want to get free. Because if you don't, the enemy will come and he'll bring seven of his friends back and fill you and you'll be worse afterwards than you were before. So you've got to really want deliverance. You've got to really want to get free. So I think Peter discerned. Well, it says he discerned here. So I would say when you read this, more than likely, Simon wasn't saved. So what must we do? He said, you need to repent. This moment for allowing such wickedness to fill you. I think Peter really wanted him to be saved. I mean, he did. He wanted everybody to be saved. He's, Simon, repent. Turn from this wickedness. You can't buy the Holy Spirit. It's a gift. He loves you. But he discerned in his heart that that wasn't going to happen at that moment. And then we see the bottom line is what, look what Simon said in the last verse. Simon begged, Peter, Peter, please pray to God for me. Plead with him so that nothing you just said over me may come to pass. He was all concerned about him. He wasn't even willing to humble himself and ask God to forgive him. You see that? He wasn't even willing to say, God, forgive me. I am so sorry I said that. I'm so sorry that was in my heart. And he said, hey, Peter, would you pray for me that he would forgive me? See, I can't pray for you to be saved. I can pray for you to be saved, but I can't save you. No preacher can save you. Your friend can't save you. It, it, it's you and God. It, that's it. You come face to face with him. That's how you get saved. You, you surrender your will to His will. You say, God, I'm a sinner. I'm, I'm, I'm full of sin. I need saving. I need forgiveness. I need, I, need to, I need to surrender my life to You. And I don't know what that looks like, Lord, but I'm giving it to You. Here it is. I know I can't buy it. I know it's a gift, and I'm going to receive that gift. And that, that's the work that we have to do. If you want to call it works, we have to receive a gift of salvation. It's all a gift. And He wants to give that to some of you today. Some of you have it here, but you don't have it here. So stand to your feet. Go have the ministry team to the front. I want all the ministry team to the front this morning. All the ministry team in the front. Not the back. Just the front. We should work out some kind of cue where I'm, I'll say a certain word and Jeff knows, oh, I'm gonna, I better get up there. Raspberry, something like that. See, I can't believe for you 
Husbands, you can't believe for your wives. Wives, you can't believe for your husbands or your children. You can't. I can't repent for you. Only you can repent for yourself. I've got enough repenting of my own to do. Okay? You have enough repenting of your own to do. You can't save somebody else. You can't repent for somebody else. You can encourage them. You can pray for them. But you can't do it. You know, we don't know what became of Simon. Church history says that he fell off the deep end, which would suggest that he never really got saved. He became crazy. He became a, a false prophet, false teacher. I don't know if that's true or not. Maybe he got saved. Maybe after that encounter with Peter, he went back later and said, Peter, I, I apologize. Would you just pray for me and help me to know how to pray and teach me to pray so I can give my life to Jesus? And I don't want to be a sorcerer anymore. I want to be a source of life for the king. I don't know what happened to Simon. Maybe I'll see him in heaven someday and he'll say, I heard that for you. I heard that sermon you preached about me. <laughs> I don't know. He may be up there just listening. Who cares? I don't know. But I, this is what I care about. It's you. That's what I care about. I, I have a great responsibility to teach the truth. And to think that somebody could sit under the anointing of the Word of God, not me, the anointing of the Word of God and the power of the Spirit, and reject Jesus. And for us to know about that, I can't even describe what that would feel like if you came before him someday and said, well, yeah, I was in church service on June the 9th and I heard the, I heard the preacher preach. But I got it up here. I, I know I acknowledged it in my head, but I didn't get it in my heart. Because until it gets to your heart, guys, it doesn't matter. You get up here, but it's got to get here. It's got to be a change in your life. It will happen, I promise you. Don't just bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. Don't be that one that stands before God and He says, Depart from me, I never knew you. He wants to know you today. Intimately, He wants a personal relationship with you. And He's put it within your heart to want that same thing. A personal relationship with the King of kings and Lord of lords. I know it sounds almost impossible, but it's possible because of the blood of Jesus. Jesus died for your sins. Every one of them. Past, present, and future. He died for all of your sins. He died for your diseases, for your sickness, for your infirmities, for your curses. He died for all that. So that you might have life eternal and have it abundant. And if you're not living that life, if you're not experiencing that life, if you don't, the supernatural is as far as east is from west from you, and you don't even want to know it, maybe you're not. Maybe you just got it in your head and it's not in your heart. So this morning, the invitation is this. I want you to give your heart to Jesus. You've never given Him your heart. I want you to step out and come right now and find one of these people at the front. You've never given your heart to Jesus. If He's not Lord of your life, step out and come. Don't wait. Don't be embarrassed. Maybe you think you've been a Christian for 20 years, but you just know it up in your head, but it's not in your heart. Step out and come this morning. We want to pray for you. Thank you, Jesus, for this morning. Thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for your presence today to heal. Thank you for your presence today to save.
Lord, it's got to get from our head to our heart this morning. Father, those that are here this morning that are just are playing church, they're playing, they're playing the game. You've already found them out. They know it, and they, they need to surrender today. They need to get it in their heart today. They need to get Jesus in their heart today. Step out and come. We want to pray for you. Step out and come. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Step out and come. We like men to come to men, women to women, or to couples. Anybody can come to the couples. Y'all kind of separate out a little bit more so they'll know. Couples get together. Now, come on down here, Randy, you and Aretha. We got a couple right here. Step out and come. We want to pray for you to receive Christ this morning. We want to pray for you to receive everything that He has for you today. Step out and come. I'm laying it on the line for you, church. You can't leave here today saying, well, I didn't know. You will not be able to stand before the Father and say, I didn't know, I didn't hear. But you did today. If you got religion, you got nothing. If you got Jesus, you got everything. Don't leave here with religion. Please don't leave here with religion. Leave here with Jesus. Would you do that at this point? Give Him your life today. It doesn't mean you're going to walk out here perfect. It doesn't mean all your problems are going to go away. It just means you've got Jesus to go with you through those problems and rescue you out of those situations. Or be with you in those situations. Step out and come. We've got people to pray for you. I know there are other people this morning. That today your heart is beating. It's, it's pounding right now because God's saying, Get up. Give in. Yield. Today is your day of salvation. Today do not harden your heart. Every time you say no to Jesus, you're hardening your heart. And it gets harder and harder and harder. And more difficult to come to Him. Because you put another layer of unbelief on there. That's you this morning that needs Jesus. You've never really stepped into the heart, the place of your heart. Do it right now. I'm going to give you just another minute or two. Father, in Jesus' name, just draw them. Your word says that no one comes to you except the Father draws them. So, Father, draw them today. Draw them by your Spirit. Draw them into the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Your perfection covers our imperfection. Your blood covers all of our sins. It's a gift. We don't earn it. We don't work for it. It's not something we can labor for. We can do enough good things for it. It's just the simple grace of a good, good Father who would give His only begotten Son that died on the cross so we wouldn't have to. In Jesus' name, come. We want to pray for you. Thank you, Jesus. There's one more. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to wait. One more came, so we're going to wait a little bit longer. Somebody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? We want to, we want to give you the opportunity. I know it's late. I think nothing else to go to. I'm going to tell you, can I tell you one more testimony? Just to build your faith. And I almost forgot about it. We do this prayer blanket ministry, and when... Bishop Garlington was here. He wanted a prayer blanket. Well, Bishop Garlington, an international speaker, you know, okay, we'll give you a prayer blanket. We, we prayed over it and anointed it. And he was like, so, man, this is awesome. He goes home and he says, God told him to give it to somebody else. So he gave it up and he wrote us said, I want my own prayer blanket. I gave mine away. So, we, of course, we got him another prayer blanket. And he said, I'm going to sow a seed. I want to I sow into that ministry. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you.
Thank you, Jesus. I didn't even get to finish the testimony. Somebody else is coming. That's good. And so he gets his blanket, and then his, he, he writes something on Facebook, and his sister calls him. She said, Brother, you got a prayer blanket from that church down to San Angelo? They prayed over and anointed it? Yes. She said, I want one too. So Mary Lou, we write the letter, box up, we mail them out. We don't charge anything for them. We don't charge any postage, nothing. We just we do it because it's, it's a ministry. So we mail her a blanket. She, she gets the blanket this, this certain day. She wrote us a card this week. She opens up the blanket. She says, joy just filled her heart. She took that blanket out and just wrapped it around her. She said, man, I just felt the presence of God. Then she took the blanket off, got in her car to go to work. Very day, the same day. She said a truck pulled out from under, in front of her that she said, I knew I was about to hit this truck. I knew I was dead. I knew there's no way to miss this truck. Guess what? Never touched the truck. Never touched the truck. She said, I believe that God prepared me that morning even with what y'all sent. And y'all prayed over for my protection, for my healing. And God did it. God does miracles all the time. We just don't recognize them sometimes. Start, start seeing them for what they are. Miracles, signs and wonders, healings. God is good. Amen? Amen. All the time. Anybody else? We, we got time. Mike, Mike really wants to pray for some guy to get saved. Well, Mary Lou wants to pray for somebody for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Well, step up here then. You, you can't pray somebody sitting down, girl. Come on. Anybody else? This is, the Holy Spirit's here. He's moving. He's working. He's ministering today. Woohoo! Praise God. Anybody else? <laughs> oh, Jesus. Y'all going to leave Mike hanging? Somebody just pretend to get saved so he'll be happy. Or maybe you just need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He can administer that too. He knows how to do that. Anybody else? That's been a good, good day. Anybody, any reports of salvation? I haven't seen any cards coming in. I need to see some cards coming in. Amen. Brother Ray? All right, Ray, Ray needs prayer. Come to, come to Mike. Ashley needs prayer. Somebody, can somebody come pray with Ashley? One of you awesome people. We have such an awesome ministry team. Can we just give them a praise clap? Just We have an awesome ministry. These guys are here. They're taking on, listen, these are battles. These are battles the ministry team takes on.